What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo. Today, guys, we got a pretty awesome talk. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk with Emmett Vandersnick about a unique path in a unique situation where uh, he gets to be the director of Olympic sports at Kennesaw University. And we're going to run down some rabbit holes when we talk to, you know, the big rocks that need to be the big rocks and things that are important when it comes to training and, and why doing things that you're doing in the off season, keeping in mind that you probably need to do them in the in season is pretty darn important, you know? So Emmett, Hey man, appreciate you jumping on with us today and spending the time, brother. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So listen, man, uh, you know, for the person and a half who might not know who you are and how you got out there, let's give everybody here the quick little rundown of, you know, who is Emmett and how'd you get over to Kennesaw? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is uh, Emma Vandersig, like you said, and everything. So I started off at uh, JMU, right, as a strength and conditioning intern a long, long time ago. Um, and to be honest, I, I kind of fell ass backwards into this profession, right? So I started off doing my physical therapy hours uh, outpatient, thought that was great, work with some athletes, work with some workman's comp situations. And I was like, okay, like, you know, the workman's comps you got to deal with, but the, uh, the athletes are pretty damn fun. Um, and then jumped into the hospital hours inpatient and realized, oh, there's no way I can do this for the rest of my life. Um, so with being two years into that, uh, uh, my first mentor was Christian Carter. Um, and I stumbled across his class uh, as an elective in the kinesiology de uh, department and was like, hey, do you need interns? Like, I think this is really cool. Uh, I think this is awesome. Like, what, uh, what do you have for me? Is there anything I can do? Um, and so he was a big influence in my career because I had, I had team responsibility after one semester as an intern, um, which is not something typical. So, I mean, I was programming for the cheer team, um, pretty much after a semester in and really got to cut my teeth early on. Uh, so it made, when I became a GA, they're very natural. Like I had plenty of leading workouts experience, like designing program experience, um, and then bumped over to split time with the football side of things under John Williams, um, who, if if Christian was kind of my X's and O's intro, right, Big John was just all about the importance of relationships, right? And at the end of the day, like, this is a people business. I'm in the chair I'm in right now, not because of the workouts I write, not because of the annual plans or the mesocycles. It's because my coaches vouched for me when the transition had with Coach K leaving. Um, hey, this is our guy. He's doing the job. Just like, why are we even thinking about doing anything else? Right. Um, and so if we ever, if young coaches ever realize like, hey, man, the, the workouts are cool, but it's about people. Right. And, and I think that's something that got impressed on me early, early on by Big John. And it's carried me very far because of that. Um, so fast forward all that through my GA, working with a bunch of different teams there. Um, graduating in the middle of COVID um, about the worst time to be looking for a job. Um, and shotgunned a bunch of application uh, of applications and ended up at BYU, um, which was just absolutely amazing. Uh, Terrell Moore runs a great operation out of there. Um, I, I miss those guys and being able to work with them every single day. Uh, Stephen Arlen, Zach Stetler, um, just great people to be around. Um, but with BYU being out there and being prior and everything positions were getting cut and mine hadn't been cut yet but I was just like hey uh am I gonna wait for the other foot to drop or am I gonna start applying and kind of I mean I shoot I think my wife had been working at her job there for three months uh when I got the KSU job and so I was like hey uh you need to ask him if you can work remote uh because we're moving 
Um, so all, all of this would not be possible without her. Um, I tell that to every single time I speak to a class, like, hey, uh, this this is the only reason I can do this, because otherwise I would have been homeless a long time ago. Um, and so ended up at KSU as a entry level position, um, working with both men's and women's basketball and football. Um, after about six months, we had a position get created, which was just essentially taking the day to day operations of the Olympic side of things off of Coach K's plate. Um, and went through that process and, and coach K gave me an opportunity, um, to do that. And then when he got the Navy job, um, just again, like kind of another transitional period of a position opening up a leadership change, um, and fought for the position and ended up where I'm at, where I'm currently the director of Olympic sports performance here. And I want to get into those roles of directors and having multiples and what that can do to the department but i want to circle back a little bit here real quick about something you brought up earlier initially you were a pt student so what's the role in pt school like how has that impacted your development in what ways do you feel that continues to impact you professionally so i think the number one thing that um i kind of realized early on was that it's a continuum right and we see all these articles talk about not being siloed off and not having strength and conditioning be one thing, the ATs turn them over at a certain point, and it's zero to 100 um, if we're siloed off, right? And so kind of seeing like an outpatient perspective of what return to play looks like, the cooperation and the communication looks like um, with whether it's college sports performance coaches, whether it's a high school coach, right? And you're trying to have those conversations without a sports performance coach in some places, right? Um, just, just the need for, it's all a progression, right? And the rehab setting is, is not zero to a hundred because if that happens, I will like, I will be sending them back to a sports medicine professional very quickly. Right. And, and we have a, as a field have done a really good job of evolving that term um, of being like a holistic or a unified model a lot of places. Um, but early on, I realized how important that was before that buzzword kind of started to get thrown around. I can dig that, man. Cause I think that that's something. So we were lucky to have someone who was a DPT work with us for a year. And, you know, I, I think that understanding kind of the, you know, both ends of that or both sides of that sword, right. Is that, you don't want to have silos necessarily, but you also want to be able to have your uh, your boundaries, your areas that you do or do not cross out of. Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of my favorite things, to be honest about KSU, is how good the relationship is with our uh, sports medicine staff and our PTs and our docs here, right? Um, I, I have been... I don't want to say a lot of places because that sounds like I've been doing this longer than I am. Like I'm only 28. Um, but like I've been places where it's been very siloed off or you have sports medicine staff who don't train, don't get after it and don't understand like, Hey, um, this, this is more difficult than you think. This is easier than you think. Right. And, and having, more conversations versus just being told, Hey, no, this is what we're doing at this phase. Um, it, it's more of a dialogue here. 
and, and it's a really great productive environment to be honest it, it's arguably one of my favorite things about working here at ksu well that's awesome man i'm glad to hear that you know and another thing that's pretty unique to what you guys have there is it's not as unique everywhere because it's starting to grow is you guys have multiple directors at, you know three different levels and three different whether it be directors or head coaches or groupings of the performance staff um let's touch on that a little bit because i think that this is a direction that a lot of groups are going and the more i talk with people and the more i see things from a distance i think it's more of a direction that really needs to be explored um so let's get into the role and the symbiotic nature that the three of you have yeah so when coach Goretzi left right there was the conversation of hey the he he came into his role as an associate um, athletic director of sports performance organically, right? Because he was here from the beginning of um, the beginning of the program with football, right? Um, to being the associate AD over the course of like uh, seven or eight years, I can't remember exactly. Um, but it happened organically, right? Versus when the split happened. Um, the conversation was, hey, it is not fair to ask someone new to come in who is going to work with football as the lead, right? And to be in charge of their growth and their excellence going into Conference USA, while also trying to worry about teams that, to be honest, don't impact his day-to-day job, right? It doesn't matter what tennis is doing when we're just trying to get football rocking and rolling for a conference chase, Right. Um, And so now the system we have, right, is uh, both me and Alex Darenthal, um, we have a symbiotic, great working relationship, right? Because the split is so recent, we still share some equipment, right? Um, Because we just now became a split budget um, where we're going to be, I'm going to be able to get my stuff. He's going to be able to get his stuff, right? And there's a few collaborative efforts, like the force plates are under one unified thing where we'll split down the middle, right? Um, Because we both see value in it. but we both answer to a director of student athlete wellness. I think it's the title, um, Mike Young, who is also the head athletic trainer for men's basketball. Um, and I believe men's and women's golf. Right. And it works really, really well, right. Because of how good our relationship has been because coach K put it in a great situation. Um, he built extremely beneficial relationships with everyone from the admin to the staff, uh, sorry, to the coaching staff, to the sports med, right. Um, so that there is no friction, right? We all want the best thing for the athletes and we all want to cooperate and we all do it really, really well. Um, but I think the big thing there is like, it removes any conflict of interest, right? And that's why it's working so well. Um, we never step on each other's toes. We never um, have to worry about putting priorities of one over the other because of that. Um, and I, I think unless you have something where someone's been there for a very long time, um, which doesn't happen in football typically, right? Uh, it's it's very rare to see someone at a place for more than four or five years. Um, it, it just is the only way that makes sense. Yeah, you know, in, in, in a sense, I really agree with that because I think that the, you know, it sounds terrible to say that like a group doesn't matter because they've all got great parents and they're all great kids and they all, for the most part, do the right thing, even though they're 18 to 22 year old knuckleheads. And we were all 18 to 22 year old knuckleheads at some point. But when you're in season and you're traveling and you're dealing with 
all the craziness and the ups and downs and the ins and outs that get thrown at you, including the, the just the things just the things that you can expect, not the curveballs, just the things you can expect. Yeah, just scheduling, for yeah. example. And then having to deal with tertiary things that in all reality really do impact your job because you're in charge of it um i I could see exceptionally challenging to people because in the reality like what matters is the team that they're working with win whether it be at a school where basketball runs the roost or football runs the roost like all that matters is if that head coach is happy and you're winning so when you don't separate those things. I can see there being a massive conflict of interest. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the best example I give is nutrition, right? So historically speaking, nutrition has been one unified line item. Um, and, and Coach K understood that like, hey, from an equity standpoint, right, we have however many hundred plus or hundreds of Olympic student athletes, right? So they need to get the lion's share of that, right? Um, But that doesn't make sense, right? When we're talking about the demand of the sport, when we're talking about what we need to pump resources into, right? Like it might not be popular to say, and I do, and to clarify, every team does matter, right? And we know that like, but I just, I need to say that because I work with teams that some people might say don't. Um, But like, when you're talking about athletics as a business right and it is a business and if people don't understand that they're always going to get frustrated because they're like well why aren't we pumping money and resources into this this and this well at the end of the day we're trying to be in the green like we're, we're not trying to be in the red we're not just trying to break even like we are a business and that's how budgets grow that's how salaries grow that's like that's the only way these things happen right um, you need to pump money and resources into the teams that generate that, right? So that's basketball um, and football, right? Maybe at some places, I would argue men's lacrosse and baseball, right, um, are also two sports that, in my opinion, can, can really drive some revenue and really draw some attendance, right? Um, but it's, it's just not fair to have football in this situation with a conference change get what they were getting when we were a unified budget, right, versus now that we're splitting – like the difference is going to be huge in what they can allot to their players, what they can do to benefit. Right. It's not just like, Hey, we're just giving out rice Krispies. Right. Um, so, I mean, just, it's just like, sometimes the split also helps kind of demuddy the waters of like, Hey, to an equity standpoint. Yes. We know that whatever, however we break up this budget, the amount of student athletes should get the same stuff. Right. But no one's operating that on a bigger level. Right. And so how can we go about this? How can we remove any issues from a conflict of interest? And to me, it's a split department is the best way to do it. Yeah, man, I, I love that. And I think that it does. I think it and it, even more than that, it opens more opportunities for you to be better for that group because you don't have. Like you're not under football's thumb. Which was like not a negative thing. Uh, to be honest, like I, I know some people might balk at that, um, but with Jim, because it happened so organically, like I, I never felt, I never felt micromanaged, like talking about a great leader of men and able to like understand the demands of everything. Um, that's something that I've, I've never, he excelled at, it, 
right? Um, in terms of making sure everything worked the way it needed to, no one felt disparaged, no one felt anything like that, right? Um, and, and that speaks to his understanding of the relationships and leadership skills that go into that. Um, I, I just know other people don't feel that way in other parts of the country, right? Um, but I, I was blessed enough to not run into a situation here being under a great leader like Coach K. Well, now that that kind of brings us full circle into the situation that you have now where you're working with teams and you're building teams up and getting them ready for what in all seriousness can be one of the most crazy, intriguing, hectic, almost backwards times of the year. That's fall camp for the Olympic sports. So let's get into what some of that's looking like. How is the prep? getting set how was the prep set and how does that build into what you guys have planned moving forward yeah so right now um i'm kind of i'm kind of in this awkward spot right we get three lifts before soccer uh camp is over and the season has begun right so one i'm trying to re i'm trying to introduce the freshmen um to how do we operate right what is a tempo? How do we do it? What is my standard, right? One, two, three, four, five, six is not six seconds, right? Give me six Mississippi, right? Um, and so the preseason camp is literally just reacclimating these kids to how I want them to operate, how I want them to operate on the clock and whistle, and how I want them to move, right? So the first two weeks for me is all a four-second eccentric to a two-second pause standing up with, like, medium volume of, like, five reps, right? Um, and the reason with that is we're keeping the weight light, but we need to get into ranges of motion. That makes sense, right? With soccer, it's all ACL injuries. That's all I worry about, right? Um, concussions are going to happen, um, and we'll do some direct neck work, but it's just like a concussion is not a, career, a season or a career-ending injury, right? Um, so everything is extreme ranges of motion from an ankle stability standpoint, or sorry, ankle mobility standpoint, and everything that we do. We do I do a lot of FRC work. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the best at it by any means, um, but a lot of hip internal rotation um, just because, and the example I give to recruits when I talk to them is, hey, your knee is a stable joint, not a mobile joint. So how do we fix that on the field? Let's make sure that our ankle and hip are good enough that we don't ask the knee to do anything it's not designed to do, right? And then after that, we roll into essentially a three-week wave with a deload following it, which is first week is eccentric um, with a medium volume. And if I was just kind of assigning volume so that people could understand what it is, right? Uh, like four sets of three with a three-second eccentric, right? Um, it's important enough that we develop eccentric and isometric strength in the off-season that we need to continue to develop it sub-maximally in season, right? So that week one is um, like the medium volume with an eccentric, right? Uh, the second week of an in-season phase, right, is always a lower volume with an eccentric just because when it comes to muscular damage, that eccentric is a little bit more stressful. Um, and then following up with like a highest volume of concentric work, right? And that's twofold. One, the time under tension is less. Um, and two, it's also just where they can really open up and get after it because we have five sets, for example, to get to a heavy triple or a heavy double for that day that they can do, right? Um, so that's all kind of auto-regulated. I don't do percents in season um, because we also don't have maxes on half these kids when they come in. Um, and we don't have VBT yet. That's the first thing I'm trying to buy with my new budget. Um, 
But and what I came up with that idea by reading the system where they talked about kind of a wave of weekly volume, looking at that of like a medium volume, medium intensity, a low volume, high intensity, and then a high volume, high intensity, where essentially you're just giving them the opportunity to open up if they're feeling great. And I've seen stupid levels of progress with that. Um, And I also kind of pair it with a lot of Thomas Meyer's work. And I'm stealing that idea from my last mentor, JMU, Brian Phillips. Um, And essentially, it's all based around coordination and fascial sling work. And the example I give is if a bilateral squat is the most basic movement right possible, that's what we're doing phase one. Phase two, we'll do a split squat. We get a little bit more complex and a little bit less axial load on the body. Um, Or phase three would be some sort of reverse lunge. Um, and then, because again, adding another layer of complexity in terms of you're now moving, not static. And then finally finishing with like some sort of offset work, whether it's a kettlebell, um, to be honest, I've not been a fan of using a kettlebell front rack, even though when you look at the fascial slings in Thomas Myers book, it hits a bunch of them by doing that position. My athletes just aren't very good at it and I'm not a good enough coach to make them good at it yet. Um, but either some sort of like suitcase hold, reverse lunge, or so on and so forth, right? Um, and I came across that working with Brian Phillips because I'd never seen athletes healthier in the postseason than following that type of progression. Um, and I have no research studies to back it up. It's purely anecdotal. But ever since I started implementing that, um, I've seen kids hit PRs on bye weeks um, because the specificity is apparently not as important as we sometimes think when it comes to the movements, right? Um, and just, just reducing injuries year after year doing that. Um, and like I said, I can't explain hundred percent concrete why, but when I look at the way the body moves outside of cadaver anatomy, um, it, it just kind of made sense. And I've just kind of stuck with it. That's a lot. That's a lot to kind of wrap your head around right there, but I dig it, man. And I think that one thing that, you know, we should probably run down that rabbit hole a little bit here is, you know, the idea of um, specificity might not have as much, um, what was the word you used? As much like power as people think. Um, because I love the fact that you're, you're, you're building these kids up and really you're, you're filling these different buckets throughout the season. Um, you know, the more general prep buckets when you're talking with the tempos and this and that, especially with the, the young people coming in from the summer into albeit it is their competitive season but i think the best part is is it displays that kids can train and they can show improvements even while competing yeah and i mean the the standpoint that i always talk about right is there's a lot of people who would probably look at the training and go hey this is really aggressive for people coming in um and and it is I'm not arguing that, but my problem is that we're not football, right? Where I know that I'm going to have a dedicated off season where there's going to be nothing really conflicting with those things. Right. Um, Or basketball, when I worked with basketball, right? Like, Hey, I know that summer is going to be devoted to that and I'm going to get at least a good like month and a half, two months in the fall. Right. When these kids come in, I have, I have to get, I I have to microwave them. Right. I know we always talk about slow cooker versus microwave. And I think long term, we slow cook them 
in terms of reserving some of the more aggressive training modalities like a French contrast or um, true maximal triphasic, right, for people who are coming into their third, fourth year. But also the transfer portal has has forced this microwave ap- approach, right? Like when you have someone who I don't know if they're going to be here for four years because they probably aren't, right? Um, I have to maximize their potential while I'm here because I need to get these coaches the product that they need, right? And if we burn a semester a year, especially with when I was working basketball, right? If we burn five months out of our year to maintenance, we're, we're, what's the point? Like there's there's no point in me even working with them at that part of the year, right? Um, and so how can we find ways to make progress that don't stress them overly, um, don't don't crush their souls, right, from a, from a work standpoint, right? But we are still able to, hey, when we let them get after it on a bye week or when we've got a little bit of a gap time, like, hey, it turns out they haven't lost that much strength, right? Um, and again, literally the only reason I stumbled upon this kind of modality, uh, kind of, like I said, combining a little bit of elements of triphasic, a little bit of aspects of Franz Bosch, uh, strength training coordination ideas, and Thomas Myers Anatomy Trains is because of BP kind of exposing me to that when I was at JMU. The transfer portal has forced this microwave approach. That's pretty deep because I, I think that a lot of us, I mean, selfishly being a basketball guy, I think it's, and this just could be because I'm just so stuck in our little microcosm of the sporting world that i see it everywhere but it seems to be insane with us and it's been exceptionally impactful on what we do you know and i think that's said very well so then let's run a little bit like how has the the culture and the portal taken away from your quote-unquote perfect world and what has it now made to be more microwaved if we could as opposed to slow cooked yeah so i mean culturally i don't think it's changed and i've been spoiled here right working uh when i and it was more of an issue when i was with basketball right um but working with coach blue and coach amir and now with coach petway being here is that it, it allows these coaches the opportunity to bring in people and also constantly develop the existing players right like that's and everything's a pendulum right so we've gone so far that's creating a problem in some ways because people are hitting the portal with no home to go to and and forfeiting scholarship or or not making a logical well thought out decision they're making an emotional decision right um but like so we've gone too far one way but before it was such a pain in the butt for these kids to to try to make a move right that it was it was an own issue on the other side of things right um but it's it's allowed our coaches to quickly build cultures that they want and strive for, right? And so it's been a positive on that side of things. Um, but like I said, it's just from a from a microwave standpoint, it, it's really forced me to be on top of my shit when it comes to, hey, how much is too much? What's the minimum amount of work we can do that is not only going to make them better in the weight room, but is also going to carry over to what they do right like i would love to do a progression of starting with one by 20 for everyone right for a long period of time and and milking that system for as long as i can right um but 
and saving stuff, like I said, the Bosch stuff and the anatomy train stuff, the triphasic for later. Um, but it's really forced me to be on top of my game as far as what is too much work, right? Um, but also it's 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 kind of a plus because if it allows us to, in my mind, justify these really fun, aggressive training protocols, right? So if you can balance the workload, like it's fun to let the kids get after. It's fun to watch them struggle to learn a new movement that's complex and not basic. Um, and, and it's been a lot of fun as much as it is also a lot of stress. Yeah, man. I mean, as the one by 20 guy to a lot of people, I mean, we just finished our summer last week and uh, I can tell you this, we, throughout the, the entire time, until the last week, we didn't have the same number of guys on the roster. So to build off of a program like one by 20, like it's impossible. Yeah, which requires at that point. it. Yeah. yeah. It's impossible at that point. So it's, it's different. You know, are we going to go back to it? Of course we are. Are there guys that may use it throughout the entire year now? Because um, they're going to have more developmental time. Sure. It's like you said, why waste the year? Um, are there going to be guys doing completely different things? I mean, all the way down to how we utilize heat resilience for training adaptations to BFR and tempos and eccentric and accommodating resistance and jumps, plyos, sprints, change of direction. Sure. You got to do what the game demands and the game is demanded for us. I, and I love how you said it to have more of a microwave approach. I think that's hammer meat nail. Yep. Got to, got to work with the tools we're given. And, and like I said, it's not inherently a negative. Um, everyone, everyone has their own thoughts about like, Oh, saving the different training modalities. Um, but again, when I, when I've got my freshman guard coming in, who, who knows if he's going to be here in a year, how am I going to maximize him to make sure coach Petway and coach blue get the most out of their players because they are who we are working for and we need to make sure that they get the most out of their players because it's a business for them too. Um, and like I said, I, I just see it as a different learning or a different learning curve and a different challenge to overcome. Um, and like I said, it'll probably swing back one way, the other side of the pendulum, like I said, just like history, everything is cyclical and everything is a pendulum. Um, but, but for now I'm just enjoying the new challenge of trying to figure that stuff out. Um, but it's also been really good because I've gotten some transfers who know really, really what they're doing and they're really easy to work with. And I get to throw them in into the deep end right away because they know what they're doing. They've been taught by really, really good strength coaches. Yeah, which is a whole other talk for another day about how to handle no, those yeah. situations. But listen, Emmett, this has been an absolutely killer half hour, but I really appreciate your time. But before we get you out of here, man, you know, where can people keep up with you? Where can they see what you're doing? Where can they learn more? And where can they get to you? Like contact wise. Yeah, so my information is all up on Castle State University's uh, athletic staff directory. Um, Instagram is also where I'm, I'm most violently active and obnoxious in terms of always posting what the kids are doing. Um, and so for that, there ain't a lot of people with my last name. So Emmett Vandersnake is pretty easy to find. Um, but that's that's the best way to get a hold of me, man, is to either do uh, email or Instagram. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we've got all that tagged down there in the notes. Emmett, again, man, thank you so much. This is some great stuff and really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. 
We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.